Hey, it's Coley, and you're listening to Still With You. everyone. Welcome to Still With You. I'm Coley Browning and I am the host of this podcast. I am so excited that you have joined me for the second episode of season two of Still With You. Today on the show, you're going to be hearing from my amazing friend, Emily Lawless. Emily is passionate about loving as Jesus does. And that means going after the lost, empowering the marginalized, healing the broken, and walking in complete surrender to whatever God may call her to do. I am so excited to share this conversation with Emily because it is almost a layer on top of the last episode with Tracy. Now that we've got the word underneath us, we're going to learn how to use it. And that's exactly what Emily is going to talk with us today about, is how we can actually bring the gospel to people and practice evangelism every single day. It is my honor to introduce to you my beautiful, brave friend, Emily Lawless. In the first episode, we talked with Tracy Shinnick, and she was just talking all about the Word of God and its importance. And so I am so excited, Emily, that you're here because I want to follow that up. I want to talk about evangelism. But one of the things that I admire about you so much is that you have a heart for God's people. You grew up here in Pensacola, right? Yeah. So I was born and raised here in Pensacola, born in West Florida Hospital, and have lived here my entire life. I stayed here for college and stayed here after. I absolutely love it. You went to school at UWF, right? I did. What did you study? So I started out as a political science major. Okay. And then was like, this isn't for me. And so I switched to accounting, stuck with it. And that's actually what I do now as I'm an accountant. Where do you work? The CPA firm here in town. It's a great firm to work with. I've been there about a month now, and everybody has just been so kind. I'm learning right now to serve God's people. It can be out of the box. It can be like in the line of work that you're at. Do you have any thoughts on that? I've been so nervous to do this Mm -hmm. podcast. I was just praying, asking God, what am I going to say about evangelism? Like, I'm an accountant, (laughs) and which, yes, like I do do outreach a lot, but I'm just like, Lord, I know am I to speak about evangelism and But that's why I love it because it's like so unique because I think that gives people permission to be like, I'm an accountant, but I love being the hands and feet of Jesus and permission. So as I was praying about that, I was just remembered that God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Not that being an accountant is foolish, but just like he uses the unexpected, like the things that you think would make sense. So like, oh, evangelism is only for people on TV. Or evangelism is only for preachers or pastors or leaders in the Mm -hmm. church. Like, no, like evangelism is actually the call of every single person who's following Jesus, whatever capacity that looks like, whether you're in an accounting firm, you're in a hospital, you're at church. Absolutely. When you're outside of church, evangelism is all about (laughs) outside of church. Um, But whatever capacity you're in, like the Lord is going to use that. He can use that. There are unreached people. In an accounting firm, there are unreached people in a hospital, there are unreached people at schools, like there are unreached people everywhere around us. And it's not just the people that might be considered lost by the world standards, but there are a lot of people 
like the homeless and things like that, that the world would say like, oh, they're obviously lost or something. But actually, a lot of those people are very rich in the spirit. But there are a lot of people that might seem like they have it all in the world, but yet they're empty. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so I think it's really important that we don't limit evangelism to just good deeds. And that we don't limit it to just being on the streets, but that we really cultivate a lifestyle of evangelism where everything that we do points to Jesus and where we love people just so well in every capacity that we serve in, whether that's at our job, at our home life, in our friendships, whatever, that everything testifies to Jesus and that everything creates an open door and an opportunity for an encounter with Jesus. Mm, That's so good. Okay, so I was listening to a podcast with a church called Form Church and they're in Missouri, and they were talking about how when you see someone and you're just like almost don't even try to reach out to them, it's like you're taking the nothing is impossible with God and like you're saying like things are impossible with God because you feel like they're unreachable. No one is unreachable. Everyone needs Jesus. Right, right. And if we don't have people that are on fire for Jesus and that are following after him with everything that they have in the marketplace, if we don't have them in high executive positions and things like that, then who's going to reach the unsaved CEOs? Who are going to reach those? And so I think that it's really important too to realize that, you know, when we say like, here am I, Lord, like send me, that that's like an every single day commitment. And it's an every single day surrender for your life to be used by Jesus, mm-hmm. for Jesus. Because saying send me, you know, he might be sending you to the accounting firm. Mm-hmm. He might be sending you around the world, but he might be sending you to your hometown too. And so I just think it's really important that we don't put God in a box on the conservative end of playing it too safe, but we don't put him in a box on the end of saying that everybody is called to go completely around the world or that everybody's called to do what we might typically think is evangelism. And instead, we just let him do whatever he wants to do in every mm-hmm. way that he wants to do it, wherever he wants to do it. So, so I don't know who might be listening to this. So can you please, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but okay. simply like define evangelism. To me, evangelism is really simple. It's reaching the unreached, inviting people into relationship with Jesus, telling them about him and offering them what you found, Mm -hmm. which is him. Okay. So I want to get to the root of like how this, like, I don't want to say like flower, but it's like a fire in you. Like how did, (laughs) what like struck the match where this is your calling, which it should be all of our callings. But I mean, you, this is like the flame that you carry. I grew up going to church, but I wasn't looking back. I wouldn't necessarily say that I was a Christian. Like I definitely wasn't living for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And when I was in college, like I actually gave my life to Jesus Mm -hmm. and decided that I was going to follow him. When I did that, I wasn't in a church. I was actually in my college apartment alone on my bed with a Bible open that hadn't been read in a really long time. And I just asked God, I was like, Lord, if you can use my life, then you can have it. And I just told him that I wanted to know him. I didn't want to just go to church and I didn't want to, I mean, I hadn't even been going to church at that time, but um, I wasn't interested in religion. I was interested in this relationship. I really believe it's through his Holy Spirit that I knew, but I just, he was drawing me and I knew that there was more than just going to church. There was more than just what I thought was fulfilling in life mm-hmm. that obviously was not the really mm-hmm. um, true fulfillment. And I just wanted to know him and I just wanted to give my life to him. It was really simple. I just made a decision and did. That night, I just started reading the Bible. I, ever since, have just been hooked on the Word. As I was reading the Word, like, more of Jesus was revealed to me because He is the Word, and Mm -hmm. He was revealing Himself to me through that. I just became so hungry to know more of Him, to spend more time with Him, to really, like, know what He says about me, but even more than knowing what He says about me, just know 
what he says about him and who he is is and what he says about the world. And it was like, I just started looking at the world through a completely different lens. I've always had compassion towards the homeless and things like that. But the truth is like when God is in you, like you are going to naturally have compassion towards people that are oppressed and towards people that are marginalized. That was in me before I really gave my life to Jesus. It's definitely more now, but what he gave me was a different outlook on the entire world. So I just want to know what he thought about all of it. Kind of going back to like what I was saying about unreached people aren't just the people that are on the street. So there I was an unreached person and he was pursuing me and showing himself to me. As I got to know more of him, I just wanted everybody else to know him too. And I knew that I didn't want this to be a thing where it's just something I say or it's just a label that I wear, but it's actually who I am. And so he really just showed me that, you know, my complete and entire identity is in him. Because of that, if I'm around other people, like by default, I'm going to be talking to them about him like a spring just bubbling over did you just start having conversations about Jesus yes like I would just start having conversations about Jesus it was just natural like I I, there wasn't a one-time moment where I woke up and was like evangelism is really important yeah and that's another thing too is like I feel like we put so many labels on so many things Mm -hmm. and we call things like Christianese names when really like we don't have to have any of that following God is just following God so I feel like evangelism to me was just the overflow of my relationship that was forming with him. I never really thought it was a specific calling, although it absolutely is on everyone's Mm -hmm. life that's following him, but I never labeled it. I didn't really even realize that it was evangelism. To be honest, for a while, I didn't really know what exactly evangelism was. But isn't that so sweet that you were just like, dad, I'm just following like what you do. Exactly. And that was my whole thing from day one with him is I was like, I want to be whatever you want me to be. I want to be used however you want me to be used, whatever that looks like. And so it was really a here am I statement, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was never a God, like, will you make me an evangelist? It was like, I'm your daughter and you're my dad. We're just figuring this life out together. And as that happened, he gave me opportunities to talk about him. I don't know. I I guess I just... Once you did that, so many doors started opening for you. Yeah. Like, you're put into even more leadership. Right now, you're... What's your official title? It's like the director of outreach at our at our church yeah, campus, something like that. <laughs> it's, um, it's, I mean, I know Sundays are crazy for you. I remember, like, when I first met you, I would just always call you like the outreach queen because <laughs> I'm like, I still do, but I was like, oh yeah, Emily, the outreach queen. But I meant in the most genuine yeah. way possible. How did you come into that position? That was another. I want to just say like stumbled slash led <laughs> led thing. Um, I didn't ask for any of it. It really started actually driving in the wrong lane. So really? Yeah. So I had been in this season for a long time. Now I'd given my life to Jesus. Now I had gotten plugged into a church. I had been plugged into young adults group. Liberty Downtown opened after that. And I went from Liberty Blue Angel to Liberty Downtown. They had been starting like their young adults group. And I did not see myself as a leader in church or anything because I was like, who am I to be a leader in church? I hadn't even thought that because I hadn't even thought about it. And one day, our pastor, Todd Caroline, came up to me and was like, do you want to help co-lead the young adults? And I was like, no, (laughs) that's not for me. You know, like, I'm not qualified for that. I could probably count on one hand the amount of scripture I had memorized. I was like, I'm not qualified for this. Really, in that conversation, he just made it clear that, like, he believed in me and that it was something I could do that, like, I didn't have to have all the answers. I could just figure it out along the way. And so I did pray about it. I really felt like I was supposed to step out and just let God lead me in it and trust that he was going to take care of anywhere that I fell short in it. And so I did. So I just jumped in and started. 
and some other people came on board and now Alyssa and Ryan are like running with it and they're doing an amazing job. Oh, they are. Mm -hmm. So getting to that, I did it for a while and grew so much in my relationship with God through doing that because it was just a whole new level of dependency on him where it was like before, like I was already saying like, God, like use me any way you want to. But now I was like leading this group and felt so unqualified. And I was like, okay, God, you're using me now. You have to show up (laughs) and you have to show me what to do. And you have to be my voice because I have no idea what to say. It showed me how trustworthy God is and how faithful he is to show up and to cover the gaps where we feel like we fall short. I just kept showing up, kept doing it. (laughs) But at the same time, like I said, like I've really been just naturally drawn to like marginalized groups of people. And so like particularly the homeless, like I remember driving when I was young and just I can still see her, but she was like an older woman and she had on this hat. You could tell she was homeless and she was sitting right out on that bench like outside of Barnes and Noble on airport. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I saw her and my heart just broke and I just started crying. I just felt so much compassion towards her and love towards her and honestly confusion because it's just not fair (laughs) that it's a problem. I was naturally drawn towards those things. So at the same time where I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone and getting involved in this young adult group, I really felt like I had a heart for kind of like homeless and like women that are victims of trafficking and these girls that, you know, their lives are just being robbed from them. And that broke my heart too. And so I started trying to get involved in that, ended up getting involved in this group that goes to the hotels on Cervanti Street with Sherry Yinks, who's like my spiritual mom. I've known her since I was 11 years old, I think, maybe younger. If you know her, you know Jesus. Everything that comes out of her is straight from him. You have to introduce me because I have not met her yet. Yeah, she is just, I can't say enough good things about her. She is so amazing, but she was leading that group. And so I was friends with her daughter, Keanu, which is how I've known her all my life. What we do is we bring Jesus into the hotels on Cervantes Street. Since people listening might not know what that means, they're not like normal hotels. Cervantes is the street, it's like the west side, where it's really known for prostitution and drugs Mm -hmm. and things like that but the truth is it's full of vulnerable men and women definitely women and children that live in these Mm -hmm. hotels they are involved in prostitution and drugs and things like that but there's so much more to the story than just the surface of prostitution and drugs and so I almost don't even like saying it but really it's just a vulnerable people group yeah and so um what we do thank you for redefining that definition sure so many people don't know what prostitution is there are a lot of judgments and a lot of assumptions that come Mm -hmm. along with that title and so i really need to think of even a different title (laughs) because i really don't like that title I just think that if more people really knew the stories of the individual daughters that are Mm. just out there, there wouldn't be such a stigma attached towards it. But instead, like we could come together to help these women Mm. and not to judge them and not to tell their story for them in our heads, but actually to know them and Mm. to love them. My eyes are watering. (laughs) Like, this is so good. I'm like about to cry thinking about it. I don't mean to interrupt with this. I was sitting on your couch in your apartment and you were telling me how you asked the Lord to break your heart and how how it breaks his. I told you, I was like, no, why would you want that? Like, that's extra sadness, Emily. That's crazy. And then like, I just did on my way home. I was like, okay, I look up to Emily so much. I'm just going to try, Lord. And I did cry a lot. Like I did. You were talking about just changing your perspective and how you see people. And it it does work. I challenge anyone to do it because... 
it drew me closer to him. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, that's how he thinks about me. Yeah. He cares. Well, one of my biggest prayers is always like, God, like, give me your eyes and give me your heart and give me your ears mm. because I don't just want to see in the natural or hear in the natural or feel like what I think I should. I want to know like what his heart is. Mm. I want to see like what he sees. I want to hear what he hears when people are talking. If I'm being real, like you could just become numb sometimes mm. to what's going on around and like I don't ever want that to happen because I think it's really dangerous if we lose compassion and so like in the bible like it always talks about how like Jesus was moved with compassion towards people and like he sat with the woman at the well and he was moved with compassion towards her and so I want my outreach to look as close to Jesus's (laughs) as it can I think that the root of it has to be compassion fueled by the Holy Spirit. Like that just, that that has to be it. And if we miss that, I think we've missed. Compassion we've missed fueled by yeah. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. So take me back. You're doing the hotel ministry. Yeah, we do the hotel ministry. So we go out to um, these hotels and there's not like a one size fits all of who we work with. Like I said, like it's men, women, children. It's from all different mm-hmm. demographics. It's not one specific demographic. There's just so many stories, so many people that are out there that I've just come to love. I love them so much because I've come to know them and I've been praying for them. He shows me how much he loves them <laughs> and just the hope that he has for their future. And so we go out there and we just bring him out there so we bring food Mm -hmm. we bring a team and we just offer spiritual support so we love everyone where they're at we try and really build relationships with everybody that we're meeting we don't just want to go out and say jesus loves you and let it just be a standard thing although it's absolutely true he loves each and every one of them but we want to actually get to know them we want to come into relationship with them we want to support them and we just want to give them hope and encouragement right where they're at Oh, I love that because so, that's what Jesus says. He doesn't yeah. scream, Jesus, I love you at you and then walk away. No, like he, he, shows he you. Yeah, he shows he you shows and he wills relationship with you. It, yeah, and he doesn't just say, I love you and I don't care about what's going on. But instead, like he pauses his life. Mm-hmm. He listens to you and actually knows you. So you're fully known and fully loved. And that's what I want every single person that we do outreach with to know. I learned that through going to these hotels with Sherry Yanks. Yes. <laughs> and really seeing it firsthand. Just seeing the compassion come out of her, seeing how she approaches things and how she just lives and breathes intercession for these women. Just seeing the fruit of that, I was like, Lord, I want to be able to minister like she ministers to people Mm -hmm. because you show up in that way. You were also leading young adults and then you were doing hotel and then... Yeah, so I was doing both of these Uh things and I also got involved in Guardian Ad Litem. Anyway, so I was doing like these three things and I did start to feel like kind of overwhelmed and I feel like God gives you grace when you're walking in the lane that you're supposed to be walking and not say you won't ever feel overwhelmed, Uh but I think that you'll know if you're like listening for him to lead you, you'll know like, is this a, I'm doing something that maybe isn't my calling or is this something that I need to press through? Mm -hmm. And I just think you'll know. And so I was just like, okay, God, what am I supposed to be doing? And I really just felt clearly that um, while young adults is absolutely amazing, it wasn't my lane. Outreach things, guardian ad litem, this hotel outreach. There was something in me that just experienced a communion with God that I didn't experience when doing young adults. And so I just knew that it wasn't my lane, but that this other stuff was And around the same time, like I was praying and I really just kept hearing God be like, clear your schedule. He just kept saying that. Yes. I just kept hearing it like in my spirit, you know, (laughs) like clear your schedule. I'm like, what am I supposed to clear my schedule for? And so I didn't really know what that meant. I met with Becca and was like, you know, I really feel like this just isn't really my lane. One of my best friends, Alyssa, she had been helping lead it as well. And I was like, Alyssa's a natural at this. And 
you know, like she's going to be so great. And so she took it over and I was like, I just think that I keep hearing like clear my schedule and I just think I'm supposed to do more stuff like the hotels and Mm -hmm. more stuff like gardening at Lightum. And I had just told her some things that God was doing in those areas. I mean, she really agreed with me. She was like, yeah, you know, it sounds like this is really your calling. So it was just being led by God to step away from one to increase my capacity with the other. So here I am. God, I cleared my schedule. I'm ready for whatever you want to do. And I found myself downtown one day. I'd actually gotten coffee with a girl from the Young Adults Mm -hmm. Group. It was at Fosco's off of Powell Fox. And after we were done talking, I was walking back to my car. And I just really felt God was like, you need to just declare Isaiah 61 over this place. And Isaiah 61 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. Um, Everybody should read it in the entire book of Isaiah. If you haven't, it is amazing. It will bless you so much. I love it, but it's the year of the Lord's favor. And so it's just declaring like, you know, a crown of beauty in place of ashes and the oil of joy in place of mourning is just a little excerpt from that chapter. I can't look at Isaiah 61 (laughs) without thinking of you. You've wrecked me. Yeah. So Isaiah 61. So it's this, it starts out that the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. And that might be paraphrased, but um, no, it's not. I read it. I literally, it's right there. I'm telling you, I read it three times today. You're good. You know, and just something about that chapter, just like, it moves me. This is what we're supposed to, that was actually prophesying about Jesus and that that was what he came to do. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus, you know, said that everything that he did, that we're going to do greater. If he did Isaiah 61, then that means that he's authorized us to bring Isaiah 61 to earth and to the people around us. People can experience that through us, just like the people that actually met Jesus experienced that through Mm -hmm. him, that he's going to come and he's going to bind up their wounds, that they are going to see redemption for the ashes of their life. And it's going to be beautiful, that they are going to receive joy in place of mourning because that's who he is. So if we can just show people him, all of those things are going to come as fruit of knowing him. And so as I was walking on Palafox, I was just praying that and asking God for how that would look downtown. Like, what would that look like? Um, I had not been asked to do outreach at all at this point. I just knew that downtown was a place that needed to hear the good news. Yeah. <laughs> and so as I was walking, I saw also, as I was praying this, like I saw two women and went up to them and was praying with them. And God just completely broke my heart for them. Um, it was a woman and a daughter, but like the daughter was a little bit older. So like, not like a young daughter, but it was probably like in her 30s, maybe oh, 40s. Okay. And then you. her mom would have been like 50s, 60s. Oh, I see. Um, okay. That gives us a visual picture. Yeah. I just felt like God wanted to redeem their story and he wanted them to know him. And I just stopped and prayed with them and then kind of kept going about my day. And God really used them in the future to kind of be like, like everybody out there, I feel like I want them to know Jesus and I, there's like a, pur- a purpose, but for these two in particular, it was almost like a promise that mm. they were going to come to know him. That I would see that fulfilled through them, the yeah. oil of joy and place of mourning and the beauty for the ashes. And so I just held on to that. And and you felt like the Lord just like promised you that. Yeah, I did. It wasn't even like a promise for me. It was like a promise for mm-hmm. them, but that he was letting me hold on to that yes. hope until they could receive that hope for themselves. I just kept holding on to it. And this is where things started to kind of overlap and pick up. I was actually in court for Guardian Ad Litem. Talk briefly about what Guardian yeah, Ad Litem is. Uh, it is an amazing program. Anybody that is able to get involved, I highly recommend that you get involved. Um, 
We'll link to it. Yeah. We'll yeah, put, please it, put their put website. Yeah. It. Um, get involved. Donate. Whatever you can do. There's such a big need for it. So Guardian Ad Litem is being an advocate for children that are in the dependency system. Some states, because I know that you have listeners in multiple states, might call this CASA. Don't ask me what it stands for because I don't know. There's Google. But it means <laughs> it means the same thing as Guardian Ad Litem means. Okay. okay. And guardian ad litem is also referred to as GAL. So if you see that anywhere, it's the same thing as guardian ad litem. CASA, it's the same thing as guardian ad litem. Just Florida calls it GAL. Other states, like I know Texas calls it CASA. So it's being an advocate for children that are in the dependency system. So what happens is children, when they're victims of abandonment, abuse, or neglect, they're removed from their homes. That can be really scary. And they're placed into our foster care system. So a lot of people kind of know that much. What's special about Guardian Ad Litem is that you have all these different moving pieces in the foster care system. So the child is removed, they're assigned a caseworker. You have FFN, which actually kind of supports the family, like reunification usually. So they're trying to get help for the mom and the dad and the child, and they're having to look at the whole picture. And then you have the attorneys in dependency court that are like, mom's going to have an attorney, maybe mom and dad, maybe mom and like whoever the parents are, like they're going to have attorneys advocating for them to receive the child back, advocating on their behalf. But then this leaves out somebody solely dedicated to the best interests only of the child. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So Guardian Ad Litem was created to be for the child. And I think that's their motto. Don't hold me to it. But um, there's the website below. I think they that's can their motto. Good. If not, it's very close to their hearts. I'll say that. But it's like for, or it might be for the one or something that. like that, but it's for the child. And that is just such a, a picture of Jesus's heart because he is, one of his mottos is for the one. Yeah. You know, he'll leave the 99 for the one. Our purpose with guardian ad litem is to advocate solely for the best interests of the child. So what that looks like as a volunteer. So you have like CAMs, which are child advocate managers or case advocate managers. Again, a lot of this is paraphrased, but you'll get the point. For a lot of different reasons, the kids are going to see so many different faces coming and going Mm -hmm. through cases in their life that if we can get the volunteers on board, which are guardian ad litem volunteers, that's what I am as a GAL volunteer, you're that consistent face for that child. So if everybody else in their case changes, if they're moving from foster home to foster home, if they're moving from grandmas to aunts to foster, whatever it is, if they get new caseworkers, you're the consistent person as the volunteer. You get to develop a bond and a relationship with the child that many caseworkers, just quite honestly, they just don't have the capacity to do because of all of the cases that mm-hmm. they have, whereas that might be your one case as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. So you get to do that. And then your job in court is to go to court and to advocate for their best interests. So whether that be reunification with mom and dad, whether that be adoption, other needs that they have, like, oh, um, you know, John Doe needs new glasses because I can tell that he can't see well or things like that, that you are so hands-on and you're so involved in their case and you know them so much that you are going to know best what their needs are. And then the court, at least in Escambia County, we're so fortunate. They give GAL so much room to, to really do what we're supposed mm-hmm. to do and to be their voice and they make sure that our voice on behalf of them is heard. And so that's what you are, is you are the voice for the child in the courtroom. And you make sure that they're heard and that their needs are heard. We always need more volunteers. So, if How many children have you had? 
I have had. Okay, so oh. for those of you who are listening, that might seem like a lot, but Emily is literally, she has a job she's been working and she's doing that. So please, you know who you are. If that pricked your heart and you feel like you need to check it out, please don't let the fact that you'd have to go and advocate for a kid in a court, like the Lord will provide. I just feel like that because I'm like, I'm thinking about yeah. like, oh my gosh, that would be so different in doing that. But oh my gosh, I'm so thankful for that organization who does that. Yeah. And that it really so is so awesome. And anybody who's listening that wants to get involved with that, if you go to Facebook even and type in Jonah Irby or yeah. she might be on the GL website, I really don't know. We can add links again. But yeah, she is awesome. She's the, like the volunteer coordinator and she is the most passionate person about these children that I have mm. ever I met. I can't believe you've had five and kids. And she's amazing. Well, three of them were one case. Okay. And then one was still, a separate case. Still and then five now children. I have a one child in a current case. Wow. Yeah. But it's been such a blessing because, I mean, like, those kids, it's like, you know, you think that you're there to help them, but really just getting to know them, getting to help them see that there's more to come in mm. life than what they're going through in the present and that there is, like, a hope for the future has been such a blessing to me. They're so worth it. Oh, I bet they loved you. I I would love to have you on my team if I was that (laughs) child. You know what I mean? Just tell us also, it's like, what are the ministries that you lead in Liberty so we can kind of close that door? I didn't mean to like pull you on all these different trails. Okay. Things just started kind of overlapping with Guardian Litem. I went to court and actually found out more about the women that I prayed with. Yeah. Something that only God could do because I had no idea that that would come up again. And uh, was still just holding on to this hope and this promise for them. And at the same time, God was like supernaturally just giving me all of this information about them to be able to love them and to understand them. It was just amazing. And I was like, okay, this is the lane. Like there's something here because I was just experiencing a fellowship with God that I wasn't experiencing when I tried to walk down other lanes that were for God. It was just what I was supposed to be doing. Then Todd and Becca, those are our pastors, asked me to go to lunch with them randomly. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, Am I in trouble? Which, like, I don't know why I would, like, oh, there's I no reason, the but it was just kind of random, which is so funny because, I mean, they're they're so amazing and so available for mm-hmm. a- anybody that's under their pastoral care. And, and they're friends. They're more than pastors. They're friends, too. But at this point, I hadn't had that strong of a relationship with them um, as I do now. And so I was just that's like... so funny. Anyway, so they met and they just had noticed that God had placed this call on my life and that they had been praying and that they felt like I was supposed to lead A18, which is our outreach department. Mm -hmm. And they asked if I was up for it. And I mean, God had already told me to clear my schedule. He had already told me to go in this lane. And so I said, of course. Actually, I said, I want to talk to Sherry first. (laughs) But I knew I was going to say, of course. I just had so much respect for Sherry and other people that I felt were, again, so much more qualified than me to do these types of things. I was like, how am I going to lead like the whole department? So I met with Sherry and just explained everything to her and was like, do you think I'm in over my head? And we just prayed through it. And I did like I just said yes, that I was going to do it. Just showed up. So yeah, I showed up and let God do the rest. Okay, so So. to follow that up, how could we every day be practicing evangelism? Some of us might be doing it already. Some of us might not know where to begin, but what are some things we could do? So I think intentionality is important, but don't be pressured with labels. (laughs) You don't have to call it evangelism. It's really simple. It's just letting God move in your life in any way that he wants to. And then actually like recognizing when he's moving and move, (laughs) you know, like I, so it's one thing to be praying for 
your coworkers to know Jesus. But then it takes it a step further when you're intentional and you actually say, you know what, I want to bring this coworker coffee to show them the love of God, or okay. I want to invite this coworker to come to dinner with me and some friends from church or just with me. I want to just know what's going on in their life. I think it's really important to develop relationships with people, to just let God use that, to not be afraid to speak out what he's speaking in you. And so whether that's proclaiming the good news to them and Mm -hmm. sharing the gospel with them, which I think we should all be regularly practiced in sharing the gospel because it's it's what we believe and it's Jesus. (laughs) And Or whether it's asking, can we pray together about that? Like, I would love to pray with you about that. You might find that somebody's been asking God about him or has been interested in knowing more about God. And so you can actually ask them, hey, have you given him your life? Like, do you know what that means? Mm -hmm. And then talking them through that, sharing your testimony with them, sharing hope with them, and then leading them to take that next step with him, whatever that is, whether that's giving their lives to him, rededicating their lives to him, truly like being in relationship with him, or maybe they've been following him and they're ready to step out of the box and they're ready to go out and, you know, do what he says to do, which is to take Mm -hmm. care of the marginalized groups, like the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the Mm -hmm. sick. So maybe it's challenging somebody to live out what they believe. And that's one thing that you have really taught me about is that you can just be bold and ask those questions. Be like, can I pray for you? Or the big one where I've been like stretching my legs and using Mm -hmm. is like, do you want to accept Jesus into your life? Using those bold words that I almost feel like sometimes we tuck away. I remember you, especially before I did my first speaking engagement last year, you were telling me when you go to do something and you're doing it in Jesus' name, it's not you who's doing it. It's just going to be God. He'll just get up there and he'll just filter all the words through you and that I would just be a instrument of his. I remember that was so encouraging and also just such a comfort to me to know that it wasn't up to me. I mean, it was still scary. It was scary, but it wasn't scary as soon as I just let go. You've encouraged me so much with how that looks in evangelism. Like, I think that's it. Just be willing to risk it for Jesus. You know, it. be willing to risk your reputation and your comfort for Jesus. Like, that's really it. And doing it not for some kind of record of, oh, I've led this many people to right. Jesus. Because the truth is, like, I feel like anytime that I have, quote unquote, like, led somebody to Jesus, I didn't do that. That is the fruit. That's the reaping of what so many other faithful people have sown into them. Seeds that they have sown into them. Seeds that God himself has sown into them through those people and through himself just pursuing them in his Mm -hmm. own way, just like he did me. He used people, but the truth is it was me coming to understand how he was pursuing me that led me to give my life to him. It's such a blessing to get to be a part of that. And, And God honors the faithfulness and the boldness to say, hey, have you really made him the Lord of your life? Do you want to? And then praying with them. He honors that. But really, like, I can never take credit because it's all him, number one. And number two, I feel like I'm reaping seeds that that have been sown. Maybe I've been sowing seeds for a long time. (laughs) But most often, if I'm being completely honest, it's just if you're being in tune with God and you're asking him to, you know, show you those opportunities, he will be faithful to do it. And then you're reaping. Really, it's the kingdom reaping. We're not reaping. Adding to the kingdom the fruit of all of these seeds that have been sown in souls. Well, it's really our purpose too. So I mean, like we are being fulfilled for it as well. And the truth is like Isaiah 61 is about on earth as it is in heaven, but like Mm -hmm. our real hope is in heaven because the truth is there's still oppression on earth. There's still injustice on earth. There's still healings that I haven't seen happen on earth, but I have hope in heaven 
where everything is just, everyone is freed. They're not oppressed where everyone is healed and whole and has unending joy in the presence of Jesus. And so really inviting people into that relationship with Jesus is inviting them into heaven. It's inviting them into all of that. As we seek Jesus, we do experience heaven on earth. Oh, it's so good. The only reason that I want people to accept him is so that they can experience a relationship with him like I have. And so their lives can be transformed like Mm -hmm. mine was by him, for him. And it's also like helpful when having those conversations to know that like you have a cloud of witnesses that is like cheering you on and is so for you and having these conversations because I feel like sometimes it can be scary. People might not know what to say. Just pray and ask God to speak through you and then trust that he's going to speak through you. You know, the Bible says if you ask for wisdom, it will be given to you, but you can't doubt it. And it goes on to say that, but those who doubt, like they're not going to receive. And so you have to just believe like, hey, he's going to speak through you. He's going to speak through me and then be willing to speak out. So So good. We're all still growing here. So Mm -hmm. I know like a lot of people think I'm extroverted and like into evangelism, which like, but I'm still trying to grow too in this area. I'm still trying to be bolder. Can I put this in? Trying to be more surrendered to God, to be more empty of myself so I can be more full of him. And I'm trying to still find courage, honestly, to let his voice speak through mine. We're not on pedestals. We're literally <laughs> just, we're just trying. Seriously, yeah, like, we're just trying. Not, I've had so many people when I started doing outreach that come up to me and they think it's so great. Things that we do, like our homeless ministry, our school ministry, like things like that. They're like, that's such an awesome calling. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And it's your calling too. Not to say that our outreach programs are the only avenue for it because they're absolutely not. Actually, contrary, (laughs) I think that it's a problem if they are the only Mm -hmm. avenue. My heart is for our programs to really empower you. So it's a safe place to step out and it's a safe place to meet a need, kind of like an easy win. But my heart is that what we do doesn't just stay in our group, that it actually like fills you with a a conviction and a a hunger to do more and, and that it fuels a lifestyle that you're going out in every area of your life and that you have courage to pray with somebody, that you have the boldness to ask people hard questions that maybe others don't want to ask, but maybe they need to be asked or to invite somebody into a relationship with Jesus or to just offer like a word of encouragement and hope to, to step out in it just in your everyday life. God is not limited to a church building. He's not limited to an outreach program. He says that yes. your body's the temple and he's actually alive and active inside of you. As you're in his word, he's going to just fill you with things and hope and promises to give the world around you. And then you get to be the mouthpiece. You get to literally be the hands and feet, whether you're at home or you're at work or anywhere. And you get to represent him and be an advocate for the kingdom and for these people that are around us. Yeah. So I think this is another like misconception about evangelism so to speak is that it's yelling at somebody on a street corner or mm. that it's talking somebody's ear off and then giving them a pamphlet or that it's demanding a certain response to satisfy your ego not really to facilitate mm-hmm. your relationship with the lord no it's, um, you're absolutely in right. the moment but really it's just having a loving conversation because you care because Jesus cares and he's flowing through you and you can be okay with one not having the response that you hope for or praying for because I promise God wants them to accept him he wants them to take a step towards him way more than you do yes (laughs) um the word says that we can only confess that Jesus is Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit so we get to be the hands and the feet and we get to have conversations but it's by the Holy Spirit that they're going to receive the revelation of Jesus that they're going to receive 
who he is and that they want to invite him into their life. And so it's on him to to make that happen. Um, We can plant the seeds. We can water. Only he is going to make them grow. But two, don't be afraid of the pausing of the silence and just let it, let, let sit there. Let the moment be what it is. Let God do whatever he wants to do in that moment because he can confirm things in their spirit in silence through you not speaking words, he can, or maybe he's confirming things that you did just speak to them. He can move in that and it's okay. And so don't be afraid of responses. Don't be afraid of being uncomfortable. He's not measuring our success by the outcome. He's not measuring our success by responses that people make or numbers or anything like that. He measures success by our obedience and our faithfulness to him. And so even just stepping out, doing acts of kindness towards somebody or stepping out and sharing with somebody about him from a place of love because it always has to be from a place of love or we've completely missed it. Whatever it is, he counts it as a win because you are obedient. He doesn't count it based on how we would normally measure success or measure a win. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, it just, it completely defies like everything that society tells you. Yeah. But it's so him and it's so sweet because like, it's just, it's more fulfilling. Okay, so can we talk just a little bit about Vietnam and Thailand? Because you went on your first mission (laughs) trip this summer, hearing some of the stories. I mean, I know we don't have time for them all, but can you talk about your experience there? Those were amazing. Well, Um, you originally were going to go to Columbia, right? Yes, we should talk about that. Um, So I was originally going to go to Columbia. So going back to kind of what God was doing in my life during this crazy intense time of just seeking him and giving me Isaiah 61 for Powell Fox, like all these things. Like I had at the same time online been seeing this thing called like Beauty for Ashes. And it was through Adventures and Missions, which if you don't know about them, they're the organization that facilitates the world race, which mm-hmm. um, is like going to 11 countries in 11 months. They have different routes, things like they also facilitate short-term trips. One of their things is called Beauty for Ashes. I was just like looking at it online and I was like, well, that's like my favorite verse, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, 61. I saw it and so I just like clicked on it and looked at it and they were these retreats that a lot of times are done with women that often are coming out of like prostitution, addictions, things like that, domestic. So like Mm -hmm. in the United States, those are kind of the women that they're geared towards usually, but I am a huge advocate of Beauty for Ashes. It's not limited to that. It it can be done with friends. It can be done with sisters, with moms, with... It can be done with men, to be honest. But it is geared a little towards women, but it's all Jesus. And so what these things are, they're Beauty for Ashes retreats. Really, it's just facilitating an environment for women to receive a word from God, healing from God, to build community. You're just setting the table for them to hear from him. And he does all of the work. I was reading about these. I was reading about the women that they usually put them on for. I was like, I need to be part of this and knew I was supposed to. Actually had like applied to go to a trip in Georgia and was going to go because I knew I was supposed to for some reason, which might have just been like pure disobedience or just discouragement or like overwhelm or whatever. But I just, I ended up not going Mm -hmm. and I just dropped the ball and didn't do it. And I remember, so Sherry Yinks, the woman who God uses so much in my life, (laughs) We're doing this Bible study and dinner like together and she had to cancel the next week because she was going to Georgia to learn about these retreats. And I said, wait, are you going on a Beauty for Ashes trip? And she says, yes, you've heard of it. Oh my gosh. And I was like, are you serious? And I was like, I was supposed to be on that trip with you and I disobeyed. <laughs> I 
was like, man, I really wish like I could go now, but I, I couldn't go. I apologize to God because I, I knew that I had hurt him. And I appreciate you saying that because that's so real. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm being honest, I'm on no pedestal. Like I try not to miss the mark, but I'm not going to like let that hold me back from doing other right. things. If I miss the mark, then I just try and be really quick to repent. And because I feel like well, I think it made you not want to miss the mark again, especially because yeah, like exactly the Holy and, Spirit and I saw was trying that the only to do something. Hurt was me, you know, like this would have been a really cool trip, and I'm missing out on it. Which God is a redeemer, which we will get to with this trip in a minute. <laughs> but I missed the mark and was like, oh no. And I looked online and was like, okay, what are the next trips that they are going on? I saw a trip to Columbia. I asked God if there was a trip that would work with my schedule. Like that was the one that at the time worked with my schedule. So I started preparing for this trip to Columbia, like told people about it, started raising money for it, started just getting ready to go to Columbia. Yeah, you had and me like wanting to help you with Spanish. And yeah, I, was, like, so I, I downloaded a Spanish app. It, it didn't go well. God just started doing again, like a lot more in my heart. This was in 2017 that I started preparing for this trip probably late fall. Mm. By March, actually, of this year, 2018, I was praying. People are kind of surprised by going about CNX because they think that because I'm so involved in outreach and stuff that I would always want to do missions trips like internationally and I would have already thought through like being a missionary long term and things like that. But the truth was, I've never put a label on things that I do with God. While I might be really mission-minded, I had never labeled it that or realized that's what it was. Everything I do is truly like out of the overflow of my relationship with him. And so whatever that looks like is what's going to happen, whatever that's called all the time. The truth is I had never asked God specifically about missions. I did go to Georgia for a training Mm -hmm. to be able to host these retreats because we do hope to host them in the future with the women that we work with that have actually come off the streets from Cervantes and the hotels over there. There have been retreats with them over the past few months, and we're hoping that they can help pray with other women that have now come off the streets that we're going to host these retreats for. So it's like God is now bestowing them with honor. He's putting them in a place to be able to walk alongside their sisters that are now coming off the streets. But so it's really cool what he's doing there. But all of that to say, I went to Georgia to learn how to do these things. I was praying. And I just asked God, I was like, God, if I was a missionary, where would you send me? I honestly, if I'm being real, didn't really expect to hear anything or maybe expected to just like it to resonate in my spirit. Mm -hmm. that Like I am called to Pensacola for the rest of my life. And you know, that's great. (laughs) And because I love Pensacola or I didn't know, like I was just praying and just asked and immediately like in my spirit, I just heard Korea. And that is absolutely insane for multiple reasons. So yeah, when you remember when you first told me that yeah, I you said, kind of uh, you heard wrong. Like, no, right. Well, no, yeah, Emily, I thought I no. heard wrong. So I hid this thing for yeah. months. Okay. I hid this until June. Not that I had to tell anybody, but I did need to press into it and I wasn't. I actually even journaled about it and was like, I didn't even know anything about Korea. I started looking it up and I said, absolutely. I've heard wrong. Like, this is not for me. Like I had been In the south of the United States, I've never even been up north. I've been to the Bahamas once on a cruise, once on a short-term mission trip right after high school. I wasn't really in a place where I knew Jesus and it was just different than now. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, like I can't go to Korea. I'm not going to Korea. Not only can I not, but I will not. And I was just like, no. Lo and behold, come June. Um, I have a couple of friends, uh, Tori and Alyssa. They're awesome. Yes. Y'all and, know Tori from before. Um, you know, we all just have ways of getting things out of each other. How to do like this multicultural project and was on my way to dinner with them. And I wasn't even praying. I was just thinking, I was like, what am I going to do this project on? And all of a sudden I saw like 
Korean church, like billboard flash. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing, like Korean church. (laughs) And I was like, all right, God, I hear you. And there had been like other things too that were just Mm -hmm. kind of, all right, stop talking to me about Korea. And I'm going to do this project on Koreans. Mm -hmm. So I get to dinner and we had just been talking about this. Alyssa and Tori asked me, what are you going to do your project on? And I was like, so I'm going to do on Korea. And they were like, what? Kind of caught them off guard because it was so random. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I agree. It's very random. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> one thing led to another. They ended up getting out of me. And I was like, yeah, so this thing happened in March where I was praying. I heard that I would be sent to Korea if I was a missionary. And I just haven't pressed into it. They were like, well, you must press into it. <laughs> and after a lot of denial and some tacos, we do want to flat that day. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, <laughs> Taco Tuesday. Anyway, I was like, okay, God, like, I can't run from this. And why would I want to run from anything that he has anyway? You know? And so I started pressing into it. And I was talking to Tori. I think we're like on her bed or something even. We're roommates. But um, yeah. I was looking at this trip because I knew I was supposed to go to Columbia. I was like, well, why am I going to go to Columbia if I might go to Korea one day? Like, should I go to Korea? But, you know, you can't, there's not that many opportunities to go to where people are oppressed in in North (laughs) Korea, you know? Um, And in South Korea, they're pretty free and church is alive and well. I just didn't know how any of this would tie together, but I was looking at these trips still for the Beauty for Ashes that he had called me to. And I saw that there was one in Vietnam. And I know Vietnam's not North Korea or Korea at all. Or South Korea. Or South. And I did not know that Vietnam was a closed country Mm -hmm. like North Korea, which North Korea is a whole different level than Vietnam, okay? I was just joking with her. I was like, well, if I'm supposed to go to Korea, maybe I shouldn't go to Colombia. Maybe I should go to Vietnam and kind of like laughed about it. I clicked on the trip to Vietnam. So the one in Colombia was working with women coming out of prostitution and addictions, okay? So that was something that I'd worked with here in America. So I thought it would be, you know, makes sense, logical. But God had been speaking to me about evangelism and church planting. So then I look at this trip to Vietnam and I see that it's women mm-hmm. that have come to like be ministered to through evangelism and like church planting efforts in the area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, stop it. I knew, I was like, all right, well, I've got to go. This trip was two months away at this point. I was like, this is going to be so much more expensive. Like, can I just get on plane and go to Vietnam? Like, do you have to have, like, specific vaccinations? Can I? Is it just that easy? Like, do you just get on plane? Like, your girl had flown one time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) To the Bahamas, which is, like, very quick trip. Okay. Yeah. So, not to Asia, not to Vietnam. So, I started researching Vietnam. It was a closed country and was like, okay, so we're going into a closed country. I'm going around the world and I don't even know if I can go, but all of this seems to be adding up to what God has been speaking to me. And so I called the next day about Vietnam and just said, I know that the deadline has passed, but like, would you make an exception? Could I switch from Columbia to Vietnam? I also didn't know if the funds I had already paid to the organization for Columbia would transfer to Vietnam. The girl on the phone, Sarah, she was like, absolutely. She said, I'm actually about to hit send. We needed one more girl to make this trip happen. We didn't know if we were going to be able to go. You're the one more. I'll switch you over right now. And she moved all the funds over. I didn't know what to expect. I just knew God said go. And so I went. At this point, I did know it was a close country. I did not know how serious that was. Disclaimer, I feel like this is where you should insert, like, don't try this at home. Like, just going to a random country where you don't know anything about it and you don't know the people you're going with. And, like, don't try at home unless God really tells you to kind of thing. Because I probably wouldn't tell my children to do this. But if they did hear from God, I would tell them to. But... Well, and you it would was have just been crazy. disobedient. I not mean, doing it, it. yes. And I already knew, you know, what I missed out on being disobedient. Yeah. 
walking with him has been the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me. It's taken me places I never would have thought I would go. Why wouldn't I want to be where God wants me to be? So why do I resist pressing in and why do I resist going? Like I said, like it's all still something that I'm working on is being faithful to just say, here am I, send me, and then showing up and trusting that he's going to lead you, he's going to protect you, he's going to equip you, he's going to show you what to do. That's all on him. All we do is we show up. That's um kind of how I got there. I think I believe I needed yeah. one girl. Like, even yeah. how symbolic of, like, just you're always about the going after the one and they needed one. Yeah. I just, like, love it. And so how Thailand came into the picture, okay, because so now I'm going from Colombia to Vietnam, but I still don't know about Thailand. So we are in June now. So in May was this thing called the Missions Banquet, okay, mm-hmm. which our church hosts, they bring in the missionaries that we have out in the field. Our church is amazing. They actually tithe 10% of everything that comes into global missions. I encourage everybody, talk to our missionaries, go to the Mission Banquet, support our missionaries so into what God's doing through them because it is amazing. There are these missionaries in Thailand who came from Liberty Blue Angel. Their names are Chris and Whitney Lawson. They are the most amazing family I've ever met. I absolutely love and adore them. Look up to them. Like if you want to sow into good soil, link to where they're. Yeah, yeah, we'll get we'll we'll equip you on how to equip them. (laughs) Link into them because I can't say enough good things about them. I really can't. So I didn't actually know them as of May. One of my friends, Anna, knew what God was doing in me about how outreach is supposed to look, just how it's supposed to be an open place for him to flow through you. And Mm -hmm. we're supposed to pray bold prayers for healing. We're supposed to be bold about sharing the gospel. We're not supposed to hide from it. We're not just supposed to drop off a sandwich in Jesus's name and call it a day. But no, we're actually supposed to go towards the broken people. We're supposed to proclaim that they will be healed, that their wounds will be bound up. And then we're actually supposed to not just say it, but we're supposed to really expect it to happen. Yeah. And sometimes for it to happen before our eyes. That's like my passion. And she just knew like all of this that God was revealing to me and what I was trying to cultivate in all that. She was like, you know what? I've been doing this gospel thing with, that's what she, I think that's what she called it. <laughs> gospel I don't know, thing, I like it. Sorry, Chris and Winnie, I know that there's a word for this, but oh, well. <laughs> maybe it's on your website. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> but um, they've Go been doing it. this gospel thing with Chris and Whitney where um, they were really challenging them. So this was all the stuff that like I was doing kind of alongside a little bit, like taking it to the next level. And I was like, this is so cool. So they basically share the gospel with somebody and you share your testimony, however it is. You invite them to accept Jesus and then you commission them to share their testimony and the gospel mm-hmm. with people, like five people in their sphere of influence. And then in theory, it will multiply, multiply, multiply. It's so awesome. Since they're working in Thailand among unreached people groups, you can imagine that, that that's a great model there. But I think it's also useful here in America, anywhere. She explained all of that to me, what they were learning through them. I was like, that'd be so cool to meet them. They were at the missions banquet in May. I think this was in March. Okay, a lot of stuff happened in March. That Anna was telling me about that. And then in May, like, I knew that they were there. So I was at the missions banquet. It was really busy. And everybody was talking to them. And I was like, well, I might not get a chance to talk to them. And so I was just like, God, if you want me to talk to them, can you just, like, let me meet Whitney or something? And I was talking to Alyssa, okay? And somebody comes up to me and says, your tag is sticking out of your dress. I know I don't know you. And I turned around and I was like, I know you. <laughs> I was like, you're Whitney Lawson. That is so And I was, I'm friends with Anna. Like, I've been wanting to meet you. And she's like, great. Do you want to get coffee? Oh, and I was I so honored it. because I know that, like, you know, she had a limited amount of time here. And she lives around the world. She has no idea who I am. 
And she just made herself so available. And that is just one small picture of like how her and Chris live their lives. Like seriously, they have given their lives for the gospel. Every single fiber of their being, their life, their finances, their home, their time, they are just a picture of like faithful stewardship and living for his glory and letting him move through them any way that he wants to, Mm. every area. So for her to do that, like, I just felt so honored and was like, thank you, Jesus. And uh, so we went and got coffee and talked about how maybe like I could incorporate some of that into how we were doing outreach, which was really helpful. So that happened. We connected. Now we were friends. Now we're at the place where I've heard that I'm not going to Colombia and I'm going to Vietnam. Well, so I pull out the map, literally. And by that, I mean Google. And I saw that Thailand was right above Vietnam. I had no idea. I thought that was so cool. And so I was like, okay, this would be crazy. But what if, since I'm already going to be in Asia, because I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're around the world, like you should try and see more than one place. Yeah. But I was like, what if I went and like stayed with Chris and Whitney, who I had met one time. Actually, I hadn't met Chris at this point. I just met Whitney. Maybe they would let a stranger come around the world and stay in their home. So I just reached out and was like, hey, God's been doing some stuff in my life. I'm going to Vietnam. I saw that it was close to Thailand could I come stay with you? Literally within minutes. Absolutely. Like just open arms, like ready to welcome this stranger into their home. And I am like, God, you are so good. And like, they are so awesome. So I then ended up planning to go. I was going to be in Thailand and Vietnam for a month. (laughs) My eyes are kind of watering here because like, it's just amazing. Like that your tag was sticking out of your shirt and then this leads you literally to Thailand. Right. I mean, (laughs) and that's Jesus. Like he uses anything, you know, and he's just looking for willing people and he's going to send you. Like, I really feel strongly convicted that he uses willing and obedient people who are in his word, who are seeking him with everything they have, seeking Mm -hmm. his face. He's going to use them as much as he can. And that might take you across the world. I know it couldn't have been easy, but did you love being on mission internationally? Yeah, it was so awesome. When I was in Vietnam and was doing these, this Beauty for Ashes retreat, that's why I went to Vietnam, by the way, was to do a Beauty for Ashes retreat with um, the Hmong women there who mm-hmm. are actually tribal indigenous women. There was this moment where I got to like pray over them and I got to invite anybody who wanted to accept Jesus into their life to come up and to accept mm-hmm. him. There were like 40 um, tribal women there and there were a couple women from from the city too. Um, so we just prayed over that. And then God just kept leading and we just prayed for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on them. I had the team just be around them and laying hands on them and praying for them. And it was just like communion with God like I've never experienced before. And I just remember looking up at one point and seeing so many women just wrecked by the Holy Spirit in the best way possible. And I was like, this is what I'm on earth to do. Yes. Is, to, is to do this. To facilitate truth. environments for for people to to come and to have a radical life-changing encounter with God, not just for the sake of having the encounter, although that's so amazing, but for them to walk in one way and to leave completely different, to leave empowered with the Holy Spirit, Mm. to go out and to share the gospel to the ends of the earth, just like we're commissioned to do, to be changed. So many people that say that they're Christians are sleeping. And I don't say that at all to condemn, I, I really don't, but it breaks my heart because it's they're missing out. You know, it's not, I never want to be somebody that wears the label of a Christian, but I want to be somebody whose life was transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my passion is to see the church be that as well, to see the church really be people that are on fire for Jesus, sold out for Jesus, who have invited him into their life, every area of it, and that they leave changed. 
to go out and to be agents of change in their community for him, through him. Oh my gosh. Wow. For those of you that don't know what a closed country is, it means it's a country that's closed to the gospel. I'm going to butcher this word, but again, you can Google it if you can understand it. But um, (laughs) it's like apostolatizing or something like that. Basically what we call evangelism is what they call apostolatizing, which is like something like that, which is like sharing religion or whatever. Because they're closed, you're not allowed to share the gospel. All churches have to be like approved by the government and registered and they're heavily monitored to give you a picture of what it's like there. While it's not illegal to be a Christian or to convert to being a Christian, Mm. it is illegal to convert somebody to being a Christian. So and sad. and you might think that there's a lot of room for God to move in that, but the truth is there's not, and it's really heavily monitored. It's pretty intense. I didn't know, but I found out, but it's pretty intense. For example, the church that we were walking to, we couldn't all go together because that would put them at risk of it being found out by the police, which are everywhere, and they're like secret informants everywhere as well. They're hosting like foreign Christians that are wanting to share the gospel and yeah. would kind of like let that sink in. You couldn't off. even walk together, like you can't. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. like that. I was surprised because I didn't know that that's how it would be. And so we would like stay in this hotel, and then we'd wake up early in the morning, and like one or two people would go to the church, and then like a while later, one or two people would go. We were a small team, which is good. I think a big team would have been harder. And then like go like around the corner, and then that's like how it is there. The church that we went to was registered with the government. There's not freedom there. Like, definitely was not expecting that, wasn't used to that, but that's what a closed country is like. So I am going to put in another plug that I would love if there could be a link for this. Yes, absolutely. But it's called Open Doors USA. And they are an amazing organization. They actually are committed to bringing the Bible, smuggling the Bible into closed countries. They're committed to equipping the body in closed countries and empowering them with resources, helping them to evangelize, and really just providing support in many different ways. They're one of my favorite organizations to learn more about this. They actually produce a watch list every single year, and Vietnam was pretty high on the watch list. Of course, like North Korea is number one, but... That's what I was wondering. I was just thinking it is. Yeah, North Korea is number one. Yeah, so you should really be in prayer for those countries and then find out how you could support because more so than they need like short-term trips, they really need resources to equip what's already going on there. What we need to be focusing on as the body is to equip the body in Vietnam to mm-hmm. reach other people in Vietnam and in that area instead of it coming solely from foreigners. Yeah, and then another one where you can learn more is Voice of the Martyrs. They actually have Oh, a, and I love them. Yeah, and they have like a free okay. subscription that you can subscribe to and get mm. get it. I think it's like every month, but it's it's amazing. Yeah, they it give will, you, I it we will actually do you. that. I want to like pause for a second too and just say like, don't let any of this scare you and don't let it trap you into fear or into complacency because mm. this is an area that I have faced so much backlash from family from friends from me from co-workers from me yes, too from you calling but that was pretty like compared to some other things of uh, people that have wanted to trap me with fear and it's not because they didn't want to see the kingdom advance but it's because they didn't understand 
what it means to really follow Jesus and that that means going anywhere. It means not walking in fear, but walking knowing who he is, knowing that he went before you and has laid claim over all the land, knowing that he's with you and inside of you and is going to be working through you and that he's going after you and knowing that even if persecution comes, okay, and I know that this is rich coming from somebody who spent less than a month in one of these countries. Hey, you okay, know I don't even, you're there good. There's so many more people qualified than me to speak about it, but if God can use my voice to even empower one person, to not operate in fear in this area, then I want him to use it. Even if persecution came, then his grace and his presence is enough to sustain it. And so we can't operate in fear. We have to go. If we're not called to go or we're not going to go, whatever, we absolutely need to be equipping them. Maybe that looks like sacrificial giving. There are brothers and sisters there and what they're facing is a reality to them. We can't leave them alone. We've got to be there for them. People will look at this, well, their perspective will switch when they hear things things like that. I've heard it before and it always breaks my heart still. And none of this is to shame or to condemn someone um, from not going, but it's just that I was falling after Jesus with everything I had and I didn't know that all of this was going on. Mm -hmm. I want to be a voice for them. I want people to know that it's going on wherever there's oppression. He is just showing up in such great power and it was amazing to witness in Vietnam, the believers that were there. It was not like here. Like here, it's pretty cultural to be a Christian. You have a lot of people and again, like none of this is one size fits all. So I'm not at all condemning one certain group or anything like that. She's just, just speaking from her own experience. Right. From my own experience. Growing up in the South my entire life, right in the Bible Belt, okay, (laughs) like almost everybody says that they're a Christian, but yet few from what I see are really following Jesus. Very few are willing to go into these places. It's just different. Whereas in Vietnam, there are very few Christians. It is not culturally acceptable to be a Christian. Actually, to be a Christian in Vietnam is to be seen as ignorant, is to be seen as second class, is to be seen as untrustworthy. But the people that do come to know him there, they have radical encounters with him. They are on fire for him. Their lives are forever changed by Mm -hmm. him. They have a passion and a zeal for him, for his word that I have just never seen before in my life. Uh, I know that I went there to encourage them and to facilitate a retreat for them, but I left so inspired by them for me to go deeper and and for me to steward my freedom well because seeing how oh, people steward were st- your freedom I love that yeah. I love that phrasing yeah well that's, so it, that's like what I felt just the whole time I was there I was like god like I'm so sorry like what have I been doing with my freedom can't turn away from the broken anymore like we've got to open yeah. our eyes and we've got to look it straight on and we've got to be the hope and we've got to be the light in those areas and that is every single person who's following Jesus that is your call this is why I wanted you on here is to declare that boldness over us it's not impossible and it is what we are absolutely supposed to do so uniquely and to see the way that people that were oppressed and people that literally it was a huge risk for them to accept jesus and then to speak about it seeing how passionate they were to share the gospel with people because of the hope that they had in christ because of what he had done in their lives that they just couldn't be the same and they couldn't keep it inside anymore I was like, that's it. That's what we're all supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And so it was just showing me again how like the kingdom of heaven is just so upside down that what we think is fulfilling or safe here on earth and what we think is going to bring us joy or satisfaction, it's actually empty, but it's only God that's going to bring us the satisfaction and the joy in our lives. And it's radically following him, radically being obedient to him that we're going to experience more of that joy. And so we don't have to fear about what comes because he's with us. And 
however much pressure is put on us, however much hot water, so to speak, we get into following Jesus, like however much greater is his presence going to be manifested in our lives and in our souls. And that right there is just enough to cast out all fear. That speaks so much to me. This is, you know, what I feel called to do is to get people to have these conversations. It just encourages me to be like, no, obey, even when it looks crazy. And they're like, what are you doing? Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. And I'm really learning that it's the only way to live. Yeah, it is. That anything less, we're settling. And and Mm. nobody would look like, or I shouldn't say nobody would look at it that way. People would look at it that way. But like, I don't know. We just, we can't settle. We can't. Um, want to settle. We can't settle for anything less than the fullness of what God has called us to. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to live. One way that that looks, okay, on, on one extreme is going to Vietnam or going to a closed country and standing with the persecuted believers there. Another way that it looks that's uncomfortable and that's going to the oppressed is what about the neighbor that you know something's not quite right there and she just, you can see fear in her eyes. What if we're supposed to go towards her? Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, I think we are supposed you know, to. Yeah. Yeah. Going towards the press. That's, mm-hmm. you know, binding up the wounds of the brokenhearted is when we look at who Jesus spent time with, like he preferred the broken and then he spent time with them and made them whole. He loved them back to being mm-hmm. whole. And that's what we're supposed to do with our lives. It's not about who can get into the most dangerous situation. It's right. not about, no, it's absolutely not about shying away from those things either, but it's about not letting us settle for being comfortable. Because we miss so much in our comfort. Mm-hmm. I remember when you came back, you were telling me how you're like, it feels like such hard soil here in America compared to, to being in. Seriously, you know, it is. And you know why? Because a lot of people here have heard of Jesus, but it is so far from the original mm-hmm. design. You're saying it's distorted. It's so far. Just, it's, it's so distorted. View. We've preached a gospel that tickles ears. We've, and not everybody. There are amazing churches. Right. Like our church is amazing. There are other amazing churches in Pensacola, in America that are doing it right. Generalization of what I just see like people settling for is that is a distorted gospel of it's a conforming God's word to our heart instead of letting our hearts be transformed to his yes. image and to his word. And yeah. that's where I think we just can't settle anymore. We can't stand for that. We need to be in the word. We need to be asking God for new eyes to see his word for what it is, not for what we've been taught it is, not for what we want it to be, not for what matches what we want to do with our lives. But we've got to be willing to do the hard work of getting into the Bible, of getting to know him with fresh eyes, with an open heart. And sometimes that doesn't mean that the revelation is going to come right away about what you're supposed to do with what he reveals to you. Oh, that's good. But you've got to be okay with sitting in the uncomfortable and with being open to what he wants to do and then waiting on the Lord. I'm going to twist this because that's uncomfortable and I don't know what to do with it. No, say, God, like, thank you for showing me what that means. What do I do with it? How, how, how does this apply to my life? And then having the boldness to walk that out, even when it's countercultural, even when it's radical, you know, you're like believing you parents <laughs> think that it's dangerous or, and I'm not saying don't honor your parents. Like, don't hear what I'm not saying. We've got to wake up and we've got to get into the word and we've got to live out the word. You have taught me so much just about how to be bold in doing this. Like, I don't know any other way to say it other than you are so open about like, let's have those conversations. For so long, I've wanted to just be like, Oh, if I mention Jesus, 
1% of the conversation. I've done my job and it's like, if that's what God wanted, yeah, that's fine. But why am I not used like being intentional? Mm -hmm. Like, why am I not walking into every conversation and while I'm praying, even just inviting the Holy Spirit in and just being like, how can this be a moment where Jesus can move and work? Again, like you've just like taught me so much about that. Not saying this, that I'm perfect. I'm still, I, I've been saying that I'm stretching oh, I'm my- I'm not perfect yeah, either. I know, but I've been saying that <laughs> all recently. I've been like, I'm I stretching my evangelism so legs. This has been a Aren't year for all? me. <laughs> it's really been different for me though, because I feel like I have just been trying to ask those hard questions. Yeah. And it's been good because the Lord has shown up yeah. every time. Being under your teaching in that has just been so sweet. It is still changing my life. Well, seriously, it's not me. Like, I know it's not you, but it also is like you just have been obedient to being the mouthpiece and being a teacher. You've been taught by the word and by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus pursuing you. And so therefore you're just like teaching everyone else. And you really are just like a teacher of how to even do evangelism. Like that's empowering in itself. You're really sweet. No, I mean it. Like I 100% mean it. I definitely don't feel like a teacher, but if what I've learned with God can help anybody else to build his kingdom, then I, I want I want them to be empowered to do that. 100% I see it. Not only are you doing it, but you're teaching others how to do it too, which is great. Is there anything else about Vietnam? No. <laughs> Vietnam? Okay. No, I think we're done with Vietnam. So Thailand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so after all that in Vietnam, um, I went to Thailand. And Thailand is an open country, so that means that you are allowed mm. to proselytize or whatever they call it. I can't it. believe that that's the word for You're allowed to share the gospel, but... I feel like the soil is harder in Thailand than it is in Vietnam. Vietnam is very ripe soil. And when I'm saying that, that's kind of Christianese for uh-huh. saying that people are willing to receive the word uh-huh. and then they're having these radical encounters with God. He's changing their lives. That's happening in Thailand. We have really faithful missionaries in Thailand. I can't say enough good things about them. Um, Bill and Julie Hughes, like I said, Chris and Whitney Lawson and many others. Those are just the ones that I know. Absolutely amazing um, what they're doing and what God's doing through them. I felt like the oppression there, it's not governmental, it's spiritual. So everybody there, it's culturally like what you are is to be Thai, is to be Buddhist. It's interesting because the people there don't even really practice all Buddhism. They're just spiritual people going to the temple and worshiping Buddha and things like that. That's like a way of life. And so it's like the enemy has a stronghold in their identity. Because to turn away from being Buddhism, in many people's eyes, is to turn away from being Thai. So it's like to reject your own people. That's a lie from the enemy and distortion because you can be Thai and be a Christian. That's just not how it's seen there. But again, like God is doing amazing things. I have so much hope for what he's going to do even over the next five years, even just in Konkan. So when I was in Vietnam, I was in Ho Chi Minh City, and which is South Vietnam. And when I was in Thailand, I was in Con- I stayed with Chris and Whitney Lawson, the uh, missionaries I met at the mission banquet that just let me into their home as a stranger. Thailand was more about them ministering to me and discipling mm-hmm. me. I had no idea what to expect. I told them that I would want to help with whatever I could. But I also realized that sometimes whenever you're going with missionaries, like it's not always just like a project that you help with. It's not always building infrastructure or things like that or like digging wells. Like a lot of missionaries, what they're doing is a lot harder than building wells. It's building relationships. And that's what Chris and Whitney are doing a lot of 
in Thailand right now. They are trying to learn Thai, which is hard, but they are doing an amazing job. They have four daughters, one of which was born in Thailand. Mm-hmm. She is so cute. All of their daughters are so cute. I absolutely love what them. What are they calling you, Auntie M? Yes! <laughs> oh, yes, so that's something that I was going to get to, but that family, I just love them so much. I got there, and they had, like, cards on my bed welcoming me. They didn't know me. They didn't know me from Adam, but they, you know, they were just so welcoming, and as soon as like I stepped foot in that home, like I just knew I was welcomed and that they had prepared for me. And I was just like so thankful and I felt so honored and also so unworthy of just their hospitality. I wanted to come to serve you, but they were serving me. And yeah. like, that's Jesus's heart. We should have served him, but he came to serve us. And they're just, they're like walking Jesus's on earth. Like I love, I love them so much. They're building relationships right now with the Isan people, which are mm-hmm. the tribal people group in um, Thailand. They actually have like a little church there and they're working on like planting house churches, which is really awesome. I yeah. kind of wish we had house churches in America because they're just so I know, cool. right? That's um, how the blogging kind of company started. Like, hey, like a house church press in. Cool, <laughs> <laughs> press in, really. Know, but... Yeah, I know. Seeing what God has done through them was such a blessing for me to be able to see. But to be honest, I didn't really do ministry there. I did get to go to the village on Sunday when they had church, and that was such a blessing. What God has done through them there and through Bill and Julie Hughes, because that is who they're working under and who established the church there. It was amazing. It was, again, like so inspiring. I left Asia so inspired for all that God's doing there. He's just moving in such big ways and is so tangible. It's like electric there. Like I can't even explain it. It's just like, it's so cool. I got to see their house church and I did get to pray with women um, after service. They really pressed in with me to what God was doing in my heart about missions and about the persecuted church and just about following Jesus into unreached places in general and about quote unquote evangelism, (laughs) all of that. And they really helped me to just gain direction. There was a lot of things that God had been stirring in my heart that I just hadn't spoken to people about because I have like an amazing community here. I just kind of felt like people weren't going to understand. And I was like, this is so countercultural. Like, is this too extreme? Like I've heard people say before that like I'm intense, you know, that my relationship with Jesus is intense. And I'm like, yeah, isn't yours? You know, Um, it's supposed to be intense. Yeah, it's supposed to be intense. And so if I'm being honest, like along the way at this point, I started to kind of question like, okay, am I too intense? Is this from like all these convictions I have? Is it from God? Or is it from some something else? And but I hadn't talked to anybody about it because I just didn't know who would understand. I didn't even have to talk about it to them. Like, I don't know if God told them or what. They just really um, were so encouraging to me and shared with me a lot of their testimony Mm -hmm. and a lot of how they dealt with the same kind of spiritual warfare of, oh, we're too intense, but it was a lie from hell. (laughs) And, you know, the truth is like, we're all called to live a transformed life. And that's not something that is subtle. It's not something that's complacent. It's not something that is hidden. It's a light put on a hill to shine to everyone Mm -hmm. around them. It just, it inspired me. It really freed me from a lot of those lies I had been believing about being too intense or even just doubts and questioning that I had. And I left their house completely filled with just love, um, with affirmation because they were so affirming and everything that God had been pouring into my heart. It was like, it was just nourishing to my soul. I made the decision there that even if I'm labeled intense, that I'm okay with that because... Did you really? Did you have a moment where yeah, you just yeah, like, okay. I was like, you know what, God? Like, I might be intense, but 
to be anything less is to settle for less. Mm -hmm. And I'm intense because you're intense. And I'm intense because what you've done in my life is intense. Oh my gosh. That's so good, Emily. I'm serious. And I'm just, I'm not willing to settle for less. And so I'm an intense Christian. My name is Emily Wallace. (laughs) (laughs) It's just who, it's who I am because it's, it's who he is in me. And I love um, it so much. And I just decided that I was done apologizing for it. It can be hard to like not question things when everybody around you is Mm -hmm. or a lot of people around you are. And so what I really walked away from Thailand feeling was one, like I'm not going to apologize for being Mm -hmm. intense and was two, like I'm going to be unashamed of the gospel. I am not going to operate in fear anymore. And so if I'm called to go to Vietnam or to Korea or to anywhere else, I'm going to go because I get to go. And the bottom line is that there are souls there that need to know him. Mm -hmm. And if God wants to use me in that way, then I'm just so honored that Mm -hmm. I get to go and share him with them. I remember when we were, it was, we were celebrating your birthday this year and I had gone home for a few weeks in the summer, and that was when you decided to go to Vietnam instead of Columbia. And I remember sitting there, and you were saying, like, yep, that's why I'm going to Vietnam. And I was like, uh, what? Like, what happened to Columbia? <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, things have changed. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then seeing your obedience through that was just incredible. I remember all of a sudden that you were trying, like, the Vietnamese, like, is that how you say Vietnamese food? Yeah, Yeah. Vietnamese food. is so good. And we were like, what? But even, like, going back to the beginning of your story, the Lord just led you. If in the beginning, like, the Lord would have called you to Vietnam, you wouldn't have been ready. You know what I mean? Like, he just, like, led you to this beautiful place. Do you care if I ask you the final question or do you have anything more? Mm-hmm. I think that's it. So. Okay. This, I feel like this is a really sweet place <laughs> to ask it. So Emily, where is God still with you? I feel like God is still with me in the twists and turns and the journey. Following Jesus has been the absolute most crazy thing <laughs> I've ever chosen mm-hmm. to do in my life. It's taken me places I've never thought it would take completely flipped my life upside down in the mm-hmm. best way possible. It's taken me around bins I never thought I would go and directions I never thought I would go. You've been doing public speaking too with through all of it as well, sharing your testimony too. Oh. Remember when you gave your testimony at the beach? Remember that too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember it because it, yeah, so, because it's so spoken to my life. My comfort zone. Because it's spoken oh my to my goodness. life. You're like, you can do this, Coley. Yeah, because so, your yeah. girl is not a public speaker. <laughs> yeah, so it's just taken me so far outside of my comfort zone, but he's with me in the uncomfortable. Like mm. that's where he is. That's where I want to be because I want to be with him. This podcast episode is such a gift. Like, I'm not even kidding. I don't say this, like, because I'm not just going to say, like, garbage here on, like, words that I don't mean. (laughs) Seriously, I cannot tell you how just so (laughs) glad to have sat with you and, like, heard your words in this conversation. I want more. I want to be more like you in my relationship with the Lord. And I know that's happening. I'm just so encouraged. But I pray that people start breaking out of their shells. I pray that people begin to be unashamed, to have permission, to have that intensity, and to know it's not wrong. Because sometimes I think people think that too much of something is bad, and I don't think there's a limit with God, right? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So, so like, what advice would you give me or, like, someone else who's really just in that place of where they just want to break out and just do things for the Lord? What would you tell them? I think what I would tell them is, number one, People are going to look at you weird and it's okay. Mm -hmm. So just own it. 
God looking down on you, like he's so proud of you for stepping out, number one. And number two, that, you know, we can have boldness and we can be unashamed because that's what Jesus did and how he lived his life when he was on earth. And since he actually lives within us, we can live in that place too and out of that place. Another thing that kind of stops us from doing this is that, you know, we don't know where to start. And so if your church has like an outreach department, Mm-hmm. I would just show up because I promise you that they are going to be so glad to have you. They are going to want to uh, welcome you into a group and to to help empower you. And um, that's not the case or your your church isn't like that, then, you know, maybe find a church to partner with. It doesn't mean that you have to change churches, but find an outreach group to get plugged into. You can start simple. So it could be asking the coworker to coffee and listening to what's going on in their life and then responding to it, you know, with love and with grace. And another thing, and the final thing is that it's a choice. So, you know, every single day that we wake up, we get the choice. Are we going to follow Jesus or are we not? Are we going to believe the fullness of the gospel, which is um, dying to ourselves? It is, you know, stepping out for others and answering the great commission mm-hmm. or are we not? Are we going to settle for staying in our comfort zone and for never stepping out? Or are we going to experience more of God as we step out of our comfort zone? Because it's so worth it. And so I just want to encourage you to every day, just make the choice, make Make the choice to to show up and to step out. And if one day you fail to not make the choice, don't let it discourage you. Oh, that's good. The next day, because I feel like I fall into that sometimes where I'm like, man, like I failed in this area. I've done something like this. And so I, I can't like do this tomorrow or whatever, but no, like his mercy is new every morning and his grace is new and he is so for you and he's with you. And heaven is cheering you on when you make a choice to step out towards Jesus or for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Just step out and do it and watch him show up as you do it. Oh, it's so good. I feel like I've broken record, but I'm just like so encouraged. And it's so cool, number one, to just be your friend. You, again, are so loyal to me and always so sweet. And I love that you... You call me. Like, we talk on the phone, <laughs> I right? I know. I love her, it. not in text. I know. I love it. It's the best. And you take my phone calls where I ask crazy questions about these things. I love it. But it's so good. So yeah. please come back and share. And I'm just so, I'm going to be praying as this goes out for people to just be receptive, for people to break out, step out. Let's do it. Let's, let's be, yeah. let's show up and let's be intense, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so for yeah. it. So thank you so much, Emily. No, it's seriously been such an honor and I have had so much fun. Oh, that's great. You need it. This was out of my comfort zone. And literally, if I'm being honest, like I faced so much spiritual warfare about doing this because I just felt like really unqualified and was like, there were so many times. Well, you know, we canceled a lot. And even today, I I almost canceled on you. (laughs) I'm so glad you did. And I was just like, no, like I just have to make the choice to go and God's going to have to show up. And I didn't know that I'd have any words and you had, you had, you definitely, but I had to the make Lord the choice. The words. <laughs> I had to make the choice. You had to make the choice. And every yeah. time they canceled, I just knew that they, I was just <laughs> expecting greater. I was like, mm-hmm. I know there's such a time where is this, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, thank you, Emily. No, thank you. After speaking with Emily, I carried around two emotions. First, I was just so thankful that I was living in a country where I could express my faith freely and just read my Bible without being scared of who was watching. And second, I just felt this fire rise within me to do more for the kingdom. Like, I just want to be intense, like she said. 
And if you are feeling that way too, don't ignore that. That is the Holy Spirit at work within you, prompting you and stirring you that there is more to this life, that we can be all in with Jesus and he'll meet us there. I'm so thankful that Emily was able to share today. And please, if you can, give her a shout out. Thank her for taking the time and thank her for the work that she does. Also, remember that the show notes can now be found on my website. That's coleybrowning.com. So if you are interested in Guardian at Lightum or supporting Chris and Whitney Lawson, which are so worthy, as Emily said, they are so worthy of your support. All of the links and how you can support them and get more information will be on my website. So please go check that out. Again, it's coleybrowning.com. I am so glad that you guys joined me for this episode. If you guys need anything else, you know, you can reach me through my website or you can find me on Instagram. I am at Coley Browning. That's K-O-H-L-I-E and Browning like the rifle. The beautiful music that you're listening to in the background is from my sweet friend, Christy Masing. Again, you can find her website in the show notes, but it's also christymasing.com. I am so thankful for Emily being on the show and just thankful for all that she does and really just the example that she set for me and our personal friendship. So please, again, any support that you can give her, go do it. All right, I think that's it. Everyone, please have a great weekend and I'll see you later. Remember, be bold, be brave, be you, and remember that he is still with you.